You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me today is not just a friend of the pod, but a friend in real life, uh, Jordan Elliott. Hashtag, or not hashtag, at sign, Splash Cousin, uh, the legend. Uh, Jordan, it's always a pleasure to talk football with you. You're one of those people who inspire me um, and, you know, just how bright you are with football and all that. So always a pleasure to have you on the pod. Today, we're going to be talking about the 49ers local pro day, which is set to take place tomorrow. And Jordan, you're going to be there, right? I am, yes. Awesome. I didn't even ask you how you were. How are you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm good. I'm a little tired, but you know, just kind of kind of comes with the territory. Been uh, been working pretty hard, so hopefully uh, the end results all pay off. But that's all part of life, right? You gotta you gotta sacrifice a little bit if you want to get anywhere. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm locked and loaded, ready to go. Let's go. All right. So pretty much, uh, Matt Barrows. Uh, I think it was a couple of days ago or earlier this week. He posted on the Athletic a list of names or players who are eligible to attend the 49ers local pro day. And basically what it has to do with is either local schools or uh, hometowns. So if, if a player is originally from the Bay area, uh, you know, they, they would count even if they went to another school outside of the Bay area. So that's why you'll see some names that we talk about today who weren't necessarily from local schools, but they're still eligible. And also uh, one thing to point out is some of the players that we're listing off today, it's possible they don't attend. We're just talking about players who are eligible to go. Also, it's possible they attend but don't participate. So maybe they're just there to, you know, shake hands, meet with uh, some of the scouts, meet with, you know, John Lynch, Adam Peters, and what have you. So we're just going to go right into the names and really – we want to start off with what the 49ers are probably most interested in, and that's the trenches. So let's start off with the offensive linemen who are eligible to be there. I think the biggest name on this list is probably Tony Omafi at a UCLA. There was uh, a report that he was going to be a top 30 visit, although I don't think he counts against the top 30 visit formula because he's a local prospect. So that's good for the 49ers that he won't count against that. And I'm excited if he does make it out to Santa Clara tomorrow to, to see what he can do. I feel like uh, Mafi's probably, let's see, he he's getting uh, six, maybe day three, you would say. Um, so that, that could be good value for the 49ers. What do you think about uh, these list of guys? Yeah, absolutely. Mafia's the one that I've watched the most closely, and it's not just because he's from San Mateo and he's a local guy. I think that's an added bonus, oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's a guy that has a ton of experience. He's tied for the UCLA record for the amount of games he's played in during his time there. I believe it was 56. I apologize if I got the number wrong off the top of my head. Um, but I know he has an extensive amount of experience. Um doing a lot of things within Chip, Chip Kelly's offense that would translate well to what you're going to have to do blocking in Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's not a one-to-one thing, but just, you know, there's a lot of things that he's done during his time there that would set himself up for success. Um, I think he's very versatile. He's a guy who could play either guard position. I think he has what it takes to play center too, if they like what they see there. 
And uh, as much as I think Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks are very good players, I don't think it hurts at all to have added depth. I think they definitely are in a position um, where they do need a bit of a de- uh, you know depth on the offensive line, and it, you can never have too much of it. So he's definitely a guy to watch. And uh, you know, again, not just because he's a local guy. It's, it's shocking. I'm sure we'll get into it more. Um, how many guys? I can't remember a draft where there were so many guys from the like peninsula or greater bay area air that are all coming out in one class there's a bunch in this class that are local guys and i've talked to a couple of them that grew up 49ers fans loved the 49ers and would love to be drafted by them so i'm hoping that it at least works out for a couple of them yeah that's awesome and that's a good point right like a lot of the times local pro days aren't something to be super excited about you know it's just, it, a lot of the times it's it's not any big names but i feel like this draft class has so many good uh, local prospects and there's some good players to be excited about on this list, which is why I wanted to put this together because, um, you know, I, <laughs> my cat is like cleaning itself and the, <laughs> the collar is like, uh, keeps flashing in my face. If you guys are wondering <laughs> what that light is. Um, but yeah, to your point about Mavi, not only is that, I also think positional versatility is something that is huge, especially on the offensive line. And so uh, I think that he's going to be one of those guys to keep an eye on out of this group. Uh, Let's look at the defensive line. Of course, the defensive line covers a, a range of different things. And the 49ers, they are now looking at a lot of edge guys. They probably still use some depth on the interior as well um i know one guy on this list uh or probably a couple and i i know who you're going to mention uh fosky of course you could probably go in the second round it's possible he's it's possible maybe unlikely that he's available in the third round certainly i picked 99 for the 49ers but um just the idea is is exciting also Viliami Fuoco out of San Jose State, I think, is another guy who would be definitely interesting, more of an interior guy for the 49ers, um, which they could use some more depth of, as I mentioned. What, what do you think of both of those guys? I think Foskey's uh, an incredible player. I, You know, if I had to project now, I think he's somebody that's going in the second round, um, and I think the Niners would have to get pretty aggressive with the trade-up to get him, uh, which I wouldn't be opposed to. He's a really good player. Um, I watched him. Abs- I'm a Cal fan for anybody who doesn't know that. And he demolished the bears last year when they played. So I, you know, um, I definitely saw the potential in the games I watched and I experienced the pain firsthand of what it's like watching Isaiah Foskey demolish your favorite team's uh, offensive line. So I think he's definitely um, a candidate where I think he has the the pedigree and the tools where he might be just a bit out of their range based on their capital. Um, but Fahoko Jr. is the one that I've really circled in on. Um, I met him at his pro day, talked to him for a little bit. I think he checks a lot of the boxes for what the 49ers are looking for. And um, it, it's really it's interesting because he's a big guy, but he a lot of what he was asked to do was rush off the edge as a stand-up rusher, really good motor, um, really good ability to counter with his rushes, and um, you know, not just go to the well with one move over and over again. He had a really deep bag of pass rushing moves. Uh, you know, people might knock the Mountain West, but he was the defensive player of the year in a conference that's still, you know, it may not be power five, but it's still a high level of competition. And he just demolished opponents. He had, I think, three different games, with double digit pressures last season. 
Um, and he just, he did it in a variety of ways. Um, he, he's somebody who I really do think the 49ers um, have a ton of interest in. It's a matter of where they're comfortable selecting him. Um, but he's, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, I know he was on a visit uh, today in a different state. So I don't know if he'll be there tomorrow. I hope so. But um, yeah, he's, he's somebody I really hope the 49ers end up getting. And uh, uh, he, he was a 49ers guy growing up. He's from East Palo Alto, uh, went to St. Francis, um, has some family ties to the team as well. Um, and I know he definitely, uh, he, he let me know that uh, the 49ers have always, always held a special place in his heart and uh, with his family. So hopefully that's something that works out. Yeah, I think I think I saw on his Instagram it was the Vikings he was visiting today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it, definitely someone who can go in, uh, you know, one of those sweet spots, the, the 49ers range, which I'm I'm currently thinking round five and in round three where they have a bunch of picks, right? So I feel like he can go in that round five uh, range. And so to your point, I think it'd be a, a great selection for the 49ers and it sounds like there's some mutual interest there. So um, could be a, a bigger connection to come someone to keep an eye on now corner there. There's a lot of corners that are going to be joining um, or that are eligible to join, I should say. And that's, Good because I mean the 49ers could use more cornerback depth. They have addressed it to some extent through some of their free agent moves, but I still feel like there's they can build on the depth a little bit more as well. And especially with the fact that Steve Wilkes, he's a secondary guy. I'm sure there's you know a type of secondary player uh, or that fits the mold of his defense that he maybe want to target in this draft. So a couple of names or local guys uh, who are going to be part of that list. Um, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Mech, is it Mechie or, or Mekai? Mekai Blackman? I know I, I see I see his name a lot, I too. I think it's Mekai, but I don't want to speak Mekhi. on his behalf. I'm pretty sure, yeah, because I, I wanted to make sure I had it right too the first couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, Makai sounds right, so we're going to go with that. Um, out of USC, I know he, he's gotten some attention. Uh, also, Caillou Blue Kelly was someone who at the Senior Bowl, you know, stood out to me quite a bit, so I'd be pretty interested in that. Um, I've spoken to Nehemiah Shelton out of San Jose State, and he seems like a great guy. Uh, maybe could get him on the pod for a prospect interview here before the draft, but there, there's some good uh, – you know, decent list of guys here that I think the 49ers could potentially be interested in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Mekhi Blackman's a really interesting one. He, um, you know, was at Colorado before transferring to USC. Um, the 49ers obviously have had an extensive look at that defense, although he just joined last season, so he wouldn't have been a, a part of, you know, the previous years. But they definitely have a, a level of comfort with that program, I feel like, even with the new regime there, where if they have any questions or concerns – um, they, they've shown a, a willingness to um, go and get those USC guys the last couple drafts. Um, he's also a local guy, uh, went to College of San Mateo, was from East Palo Alto, if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, I'm not just bringing that up because that's where I went to college. But um, he, uh, yeah, he's a guy that I definitely think would be a good fit um, with one of those mid-round picks. I think that they do need depth. And then Caillou Blue Kelly is another really interesting one. Um, his dad, Brian Kelly, was a longtime NFL player and a teammate of John Lynch um, on the, the Bucks team that they won the Super Bowl on, um, was teammates with him for a few seasons. 
And uh, they were talking uh, at length, I'm sure bringing up old memories and reminiscing at Stanford's Pro Day together. So I'm sure if there's any interest on the 49ers part, they have um, a different level of access to get some questions answered or any concerns answered. And um, I'm sure that there's a level of uh, relationship, how deep it goes, I'm not sure. But, you know, when John and Caillou were talking, it was kind of like, hey, how have you been? How have things been? So I'm sure there's some familiarity there just from the past that they have. So I thought that was an interesting connection as well, beyond just John Lynch and his Stanford, um, you know, connections that he has in general. And he's a good player. Like you said, he looked really good um, at Stanford's pro day. thought he moved really well, got in and out of his breaks really well. And I'm always intrigued by players who have the athletic profiles and the parents or relatives who played in the league, because I really do think there's a ton of value in having somebody who's been there and done that, helping them along the way. I think they get it. I don't want to say a step up, but I think they get a little bit of a advantage having that resource and it helps them prepare in a way that somebody who doesn't just can't, frankly. So he's definitely a guy I would keep an eye on. I agree on that. And I have to assume that teams probably feel the same way, right? That, that definitely gives a prospect a bit of a plus or a bonus, you know, if they have, uh, you know, relatives who have played in the NFL before. Um, a question about, you know, the, the pro days, because I know you were at the Stanford and Cal pro days. And I know at, oh, in San Jose State, and I know at least for Stanford and, and uh, San Jose State, John Lynch and, and Adam Peters attended. Did did you get a sense that there were certain guys that they were very, you know, keen on wanting to talk to there or maybe – you said that it seemed like uh, they had spoken maybe to Blue Kelly before. Did you get the sense of that with any other players that were there? I mean, not really. And they, again, this is just for like for whatever it's worth that you could hear with yeah. an earshot. I know John Lynch was asking uh, Elijah Higgins if he was going to be doing broad jump, I think it was, or something like that. So it could have just been casual conversation. They might have had some interest in getting those testing numbers, however valuable they may be. Um I know uh, Adam Peters spent a little bit of time talking with, you know, we'll get to tight ends in a second. There's a tight end from Stanford. He spent a little bit of time talking to after uh, the pro day wrapped up and, you know, I, it's, it's due diligence. It's just because you're yeah. there in the moment probably, but they, uh, they were both John Lynch was front and center directly behind Tanner McKee when he was throwing. So for whatever that's worth, maybe that's just the seniority he gets being, uh, being John Lynch and having that Stanford connection where it's like, even if there's not a ton of interest there, you still get the front row seat, but those were the three that probably um, I would say stood out more than, you know, anything else. Um, I, my, Michael Wilson's another guy. I think there was, it appeared to be from just, you know, reading body language and whatever we can read into that, um, that there was a little bit of attention paid to as well. Yeah, that would not surprise me at all. And we'll, we'll talk about Michael Wilson here in a minute. Quick question from Tisha in the comments. Jordan, are you still using your YouTube? And if so, what is it? I, so yes, I do, but not to make videos. Um, my apologies. The main thing I use my YouTube for now is to pop into Jason Aponte's comment section when he's live <laughs> and just kind of annoy him. So other than that, I'll be honest, I met and Brad too. Um, oh uh, beyond that, I haven't really used my YouTube lately, but, uh, if you ever watch their lives, you might see me in the comments trolling a little bit. But other than that, um, I just, I'm very busy writing and I'm trying to focus on, um, continuing to get better at that. And if I have time to get back to the YouTube stuff, I hopefully will, but it's, it's a lot of work doing this. And I have so much respect for everybody who does because it's, I think people over 
look just how much goes into doing this. And um, I just unfortunately can't balance it with the writing and stuff I'm doing now. So hopefully one day I will again, Tisha, but I've unfortunately now it's limited to just trolling in the comments of my friend's lives. <laughs> in the comments. No, Jordan is like one of the, the better writers, um, you know, uh, as far as Niners nation goes or as far, well, not to, <laughs> not to like diss anyone on Niners nation. That's not what I'm doing, but just as a whole, like it's 49ers content. If you like, you know, written articles and reading that really in depth stuff, Jordan is your guy, so you can check out his stuff on Niners Nation, um, and maybe you'll find him trolling uh, the comment section on YouTube uh, every once in a while, even even Twitter sometimes. <laughs> I've, I've been known to, known to let it rip on Twitter occasionally, but... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, the the uh, Splash Cousin days, we, we know, we know, we remember the, the OG Splash Cousin. <laughs> Uh, let's get into some of the safety prospects because I feel like that's another, um, you know, secondary, uh, you know, as I mentioned with the cornerbacks, Steve Wilkes, I think is going to want to get some new blood in the building. Also the fact that Tashawn Gibson, you know, is on a one-year deal. So they want to groom their safety of the future and I feel like there's there's at least one guy on this list that personally for me I, I'm excited about. I have heard uh, Delano Ware's name get brought up quite a bit um, in, in connection with the 49ers. And then Daniel Scott, for me, at a Cal, uh, he was someone who I did get to ask a, a question to at the Combine. And the thing for me is like, or I guess the, the thing with Daniel Scott is he's an older prospect. And so, like, that's the thing that it, it is probably the reason that he won't go as high as he maybe should based on, you know, the tape, based on the athletic profile. But I feel like that's that means you could potentially get some good value for him. I mean, he might go um, in maybe fourth, fifth rounds. And I don't know. I feel like that's good value. And you know that he would be someone who can – probably come in starting next year, assuming Deshaun Gibson, you know, starts this season and and can take over that spot. I love the athletic profile for Scott. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that the age is important, but I also think the 49ers are in a position where, I mean, if you can get five good years out of a guy, which he's still, which is still well within reason for him. Right. The value is absolutely there. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's hard to be at a school like Cal for as long as he is without being a smart guy. And I think that that's something that this organization really does value too, the academic side of things. He's a really bright guy. You can pick up on that really quickly. Um, talking to him, ton of charisma and a ton of just, um, like, like it's just overall IQ um, in the, the brief encounter I had talking with him at the podium in Indianapolis. So I think he's somebody that definitely based on where they're picking, like I, I think those concerns about age are a lot, more pressing the higher up in the draft you are. But for a guy who might be a mid-round prospect, I don't think it's like a thing that would prevent you from taking a guy like that. I think this, the skill set speaks for itself. And um, he's right there in their backyard. And, you know, um, I think that that's another advantage. Like you, you have area scouts everywhere, but having the ability to be right here and, you know, hear things, hear how these guys are on the practice field. And, you know, like one thing that's really become valuable to me is acknowledging that, we can watch all the tape we want and we're going to do it anyway. 
but like Brock Purdy is a perfect example. Like there's so much stuff beyond that, like the work habits, the way that teammates respond to these guys, the way that they um, respond to coaching that we as, you know, fans or media or whatever, don't really get full access to. And I think that's one area where, you know, um, it makes these evaluations a lot harder because we don't get the full picture. Like if we, I'm sure if we heard a lot of these things about Brock Purdy's intangibles and we're a little bit more plugged in with that, maybe what he did wouldn't have been as much of a surprise. And I think that's one thing that I'm kind of trying to remind myself now, Steph, is that like we see a lot of the good, but there could be even more good beyond that, if that makes sense. And I think Daniel Scott's a guy from what you hear, like there is a lot more good beyond just what you see on tape. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nathan in the comments, Steph, can you explain what am I looking at? Um, so yeah, if you, if you caught on, uh, to the live a little bit late, uh, you know, what we're doing is going through the players, local players that are eligible for the 49ers local pro day. We're going through it by position and we started with, you know, the, the biggest needs first. So we, we went through the trenches, uh, offensive defensive line, we, we talked about some corners, now talking about safeties, and I saw you were asking about the quarterbacks. We will get to that in a bit. I don't I don't have quarterback as a as a huge need for the 49ers. Um, so that'll be one of the, the last slides we get to. I also want to address this. Some people are mentioning uh Marty Mapu at a Sac State, and I don't think he's eligible for the local pro day, actually, because I think He's not native to the Bay Area, and he just went to Sac State, which I don't think is in the uh, is considered a local school. So that's the reason that he won't be invited to the local pro day. But the 49ers do have a top 30 visit set with him or I don't know if it happened already, but I know that he was going to have a top 30 visit with the 49ers. So that that's the the good thing they they have done their due diligence on him yeah he's he's really interesting too he's like the perfect like prospect for that kind of like gray greenlaw fred warner like defensive background as a db but also can play linebacker hybrid whatever the hell you want to call it like he's one of those guys that fits to a t that like 49ers blueprint with what they've been looking for yeah, so Douglas says he's from SoCal, so that's that's the reason. So he will get a top 30 visit with the team, uh, and he will count against the top, you know, top 30 that they have. Um, really quickly, before we answer that question, we got Javi in the comments. Javi, how's it going, man? Uh, oh, wow. Kind of that's, like that's a Hollywood. rare... Kind of like a rare, rare appearance, right? So we're we're, uh, we're very privileged to have Javi on the pod today in the comments. Gennaro asks, how far do they reach out? I know the guys from Sonoma County way of Santa Rosa aren't invited. I, I am still trying to figure it out how it works myself because personally, I feel like Fresno, like, you know, guys from Fresno State get invited. And to me, I'm like, that's far. That's, that's almost as far or further than... Sac State. So I, I personally do have a hard time figuring out how it works if it goes by miles or I don't know if you know, Jordan. I think so. I know I had heard for the pro visits it was 50 miles. I'm not sure if that I think I heard it was 50 miles from the facility. I can't guarantee that because it's been very confusing because I know like the old CBA used to be um, this is like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. It used to be defined as the metropolitan area, 
So that would go based off of like a roadmap atlas was what they used. So there was no actual mileage determination. It was literally based on like a roadmap that they would use. Um, so for like the 49ers, I'm sure like the Bay, like, you know, if you're in Santa Clara, the metropolitan area probably stretches from like San Francisco to Oakland back down to San Jose. So I'm guessing anywhere in that kind of range would be safe, but I don't know for sure. I did hear 50 miles though, for like the top 30 visits that the ones that don't count if you're within 50 miles of a team's uh, facility. Okay. Yeah. Then that might make sense. I'll have to do some Google map research later, I guess. It's the, apparent, the McNally roadmap Atlas was what it was. If that helps out at all. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to look into it. Cause that, that is a question I have and I, I get that question as well. Um, but let's look at some tight ends. You know, I feel like this is definitely the draft that the 49ers are going to be looking at a tight end and this is the draft to do it right. Because the tight end class is so deep. I will say, There won't be many players or tight ends that are going to be eligible for this that are super interesting. I know, you know, you you mentioned Elijah Higgins, uh, definitely, you know, an option. But I think most likely they'll probably look elsewhere if I had to guess. But, I mean, I know you probably have some nice things to say about Higgins. What do you think? Yeah, he's definitely uh, – he's a guy – I think that, you know, he was a receiver. So the the transition there kind of um, – he has a receiver background, I should say. Um, and the, uh, the the fluidity and movement and stuff is evident with him where you can see that there's a lot more um, – I don't say fluid motion because I feel like that's knocking tight ends. There's plenty of tight ends who move fluidly as well. You're just asked to do different things. You're going to play it at a different weight. So I think there is some plus there where you can always add weight in an NFL weight room, but you might have that intrinsic ability – uh, to play the position. And I do know they had another tight end. Uh, Caleb Phillips was the one that Adam Peters spent a little bit of time mm-hmm. talking to one-on-one after. Um, Stanford guy also played for Hawaii during his college years. So that you never know. There could just be some connection for their own personal lives. I'm not saying that means anything. But I did notice after when everything was over, they did talk for about five minutes or so, just one-on-one. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's pretty interesting. But I'll, I'll be honest, there's not really anybody on the, this list that I'm like – Yeah. They have to go out and get this guy, but I definitely think there's some intriguing options there. Yeah, I, I think they'll look outside of the Bay Area or local prospects. We can't be great. At, we can't be perfect at everything. As great as it is here, and as much as I love the Bay Area, we got to you know let some other areas get some shine too. No disrespect to these we guys, do. but we <laughs> we do good. Good point. Um, now let's look at some of the wide receivers. We talked about uh, Michael Wilson, or at least mentioned his name. He was one that, for me, he really stood out at the Senior Bowl. I think uh, also, you know, as we mentioned, John Lynch, Adam Peters, they were at Stanford's Pro Day, so they got another look at him there. And so a third real great opportunity to get a look at, or I should say fourth, because, you know, they were probably at the Combine. They might have met with him there as well. So um, they've gotten a really good look at Michael Wilson so far. And personally, I, I like what he brings uh, as a receiver, like I said, in in at the Senior Bowl, those one on ones, he was, you know, winning a lot of matchups. Uh, so definitely someone that I think the 49ers could potentially target. I don't think, uh, you know, wide receiver is a huge need, but it's one of those positions you always try to, uh, you know, draft or bring in every year. And he could probably go in the fourth round range, something like that. So I think, you know, the prime 49er range in this draft right they have a a crap ton of day two day three picks 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, the guy that I really, I, I love and I, it's a bias because he played for Cal before he went to Fresno state, but I think it's just electric is Remigio. I just, I watched a very bad offense for a very long time there. And he was one of the few guys on that offense where they just, they were a threat to take the ball to the house. Every time they touched the ball electric as a returner, he honestly reminded me a ton of like Rondale Moore, where he's a guy where the measurables might not jump out at you, but the shiftiness and the ability to make guys miss, I think is really special. And I think that the Niners offense, um, they have a ton of guys that um, will run through you, but I think Remigio would be a nice, addition as a guy that can kind of run around people if that makes sense i think he's just he's electric with the ball in his hands um extremely quick um great short area quickness great lateral ability and i would love to see what a guy like that would look like in kyle's offense um they have danny gray and ray ray mcleod right now so i don't think there's this like huge pressing need for a returner but having a receiver who could do it on top of that couldn't hurt as well so he's definitely the guy i'm most interested to watch uh run in real life tomorrow yeah, and I had a uh, Nico Rahimio on on the pod um, not too long ago, and he was a great interview. So if you guys want to check that out, um, make sure to check that out on my channel. Uh, interesting enough, yeah. I, as as Justin asked this question, I'm thinking about it myself. Moreno Cropper uh, out of Fresno State, not on the list. Uh, I I do want to mention that this list came from Matt Barrows. Um, and it, he was just pointing out players that are eligible for the local pro day. I can't imagine he wouldn't be eligible, but I, I don't know why he's not on the list. He could be someone who maybe will be there, uh, but not sure why he wasn't on Matt Barrow's list. Maybe it was just an oversight. Not sure. But being from Fresno, he should be eligible. Um, uh, this is an interesting comment from ML. Sorry, I it's hard to see the I's and the L's in <laughs> Emiliano. Uh, he says, definitely not a reasonable assertion by me, but any time now that a Stanford player is even associated with the Niners is being drafted, I worry about Lynch's judgment about them. Um, I so I kind of wonder the same. Like, do you feel like even John Lynch is like, ooh, like I kind of kind of ruined that uh Solomon Thomas pick. Let me maybe let me not push too hard for some of these Stanford guys. <laughs> No, and so I actually I have strong opinions um, about that Solomon Thomas thing and the way we look back on it because I wanted a quarterback at the time. I admittedly wasn't somebody that was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be this great quarterback. I won't pretend I was. I thought Deshaun Watson was the guy they should have picked then. I thought he was the guy that had the pedigree. He had the experience playing in big games. Um, he was who I wanted them to take with that pick. Um, so having said that, they obviously didn't. They took a defensive lineman. Um, so I can appreciate somebody who who doesn't agree that they didn't go quarterback when they needed one or they didn't like the process behind it. But if we just talk about Solomon Thomas, the player, it's complete revisionist history because I actually went back like a year ago because I kept getting like just kind of like, man, it really feels like people are forgetting how high everybody was on Solomon Thomas at the time. I pulled up three or four articles that were literally comparing the guy to Aaron Donald that had nothing to do with the 49ers that were like national outlets with like big name scouts and people who get paid a lot of money to do this. And they were saying that Solomon Thomas had the ability to be this next Aaron Donald kind of player that could wreck defenses from the three tech that like undersized, quick, twitchy interior lineman that could just wreck an opposing offenses game plan. Um, and I just think that, they, you know, it happens. Sometimes you draft players, sometimes you draft them really high and you miss. 
but people act as if it was like this foregone conclusion that he wasn't going to be good. And Hey, if you felt that way, then I completely support you feeling the same way. Now um, there's plenty of people I'm sure who did feel that way at the time, but it's like almost like people re- have this revisionist history that it was like this terrible pick that everybody hated in the moment. And now it's like, uh, you know, like, Oh, we all saw this coming. Like I don't really buy into that. Um, I do think the thing that hurts it the most is the stuff that came out where it was like, Oh, John Lynch took a class with him and really got to know him one-on-one and all those little bits, because as much as that probably helps you get to know somebody on a more personable level, I think that's where the, the kind of what Emiliano is talking about. And I don't want to speak for him, but that's kind of where I feel like that's where that's coming from, where it's like, Oh, maybe you, you know, uh, bought into the Stanford stuff a bit too much given the ties there and this and that. But Long story short, I think Solomon Thomas was a, a much better prospect than um, he gets credit for. He's still a solid NFL player. Obviously, you have expectations when you're the third overall pick. Um, he didn't live up to them in San Francisco, but it's not like he's this like bust who's out of the league, right? And he obviously had a ton of personal tragedy he had to deal with, yeah. too. And I think that's another thing that gets often overlooked. The guy was dealing with something that was much bigger than football in a critical stage of his NFL development. So I just think that it... it it, it was what it was. And um, I just don't like the way that it kind of gets revised that like, Oh, he was this terrible prod. There was a ton of teams that wanted Solomon Thomas and would have taken him where the 49ers took him to. And I just think that that's something that should definitely kind of be like, it just, it feels like that gets overlooked stuff. And I feel like that's something that kind of, kind of bugs me a little bit because um, drafting is really hard, right? Like yeah. these guys are basically tasked with, finding a group of 20 to 22 year olds who are about to be handed millions of dollars and a platform that's as big as any in professional sports. And you have to predict how a 20 to 22 year old is going to spend the next five years of their life. I don't know about you guys. I was doing a lot of really dumb stuff when I was 21, 22 years old. I didn't have millions of dollars. I didn't have the platform these guys have. So I think that oftentimes, um, you know, it's overlooked how hard it is to, draft and put together a draft board and pick players that are going to end up panning out. And it's just, it's kind of a bummer because especially with a team like the Niners where they've had so much success, it kind of gets buried with stuff where it's like, Oh, you built this great roster, but six years ago you drafted Solomon Thomas. It's like, come on, man. Like (laughs) if the team was still terrible, I'd get it, but you know, things are pretty good over here. And I I think I get it in the sense that, you know, that was the regime, this regime's first draft. Right. So I think going with something familiar, not the not the worst idea, quite frankly. I think there's some great prospects coming out of Stanford um, this season. And, you know, every year it seems like they got a few guys, but there's some guys this year I especially like. So I hope, you know, John Lynch doesn't shy away from picking any one of those guys just because of the Solomon Thomas pick. I hope he's not scared to to do that again. But let's look at some of the quarterback prospects. Like I said, I don't feel like this is a huge need for the 49ers. I feel like they will either draft a quarterback in day day 3 um or they'll probably go with a undrafted free agent, right? So there's a couple of guys, well, Jake Hayner has gotten a lot of attention and I feel like all the attention that he's gotten from like local fans and all that 
has kind of dissipated a little bit because I think people are realizing he's going to go way higher than the 49ers would even pick a quarterback, right? So it was a it was a dream for a little bit, but I don't think it, it makes sense, quite frankly. Regardless, I think it's cool um, that he, he gets a chance to meet with them. We'll see if he even shows up, right? Like maybe he's thinking, oh, like third round – yeah, I don't know. I might go sooner. I, I don't I don't know when he may go. I'm trying to see. Let's see. He might go fourth round, but still it would be too rich, I think, for the 49ers to go a quarterback that early for them in the situation that they're in. They have three quarterbacks already. I feel like uh, Tanner McKee is probably much more uh, likely someone who can, you know, will probably be available later in the draft maybe fifth or later. So that that's an option. We talked about the Stanford connection already. Uh, but what do you think of these group of guys? I, th- I think it's unlikely that the 49ers end up, you know, drafting any, any of these guys on the list. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Hayner had one of the most impressive performances I've seen in any college football game the last couple of years, uh, 2021 against UCLA. He had to have his hip replaced the next day. He took such a beating in that game. And he took Fresno State on the road and beat a ranked team uh, on the road in UCLA. And that was really my first kind of like moment where I'm like, oh, like this, this guy's got it, right? Um, so I think he's a guy who has that kind of uh, inherent toughness, right? And everybody values things differently. But I think a lot of these NFL scouts and front office and stuff, they really value guys that will stand in the pocket and take a beating and get drilled and stand tall and deliver the ball. And Jake Hayner's a guy who fits that mold for me. Um, I think he's definitely – you nailed it. Like, he's, I just don't know um, – unless they really have concerns about Purdy or they're really intent on moving Lance, some sort of musical chairs shuffling is going to have to happen with the current room uh, for them to invest the capital into a guy like Hayner. And McKee's another guy where uh, – I remember I went to uh, UCLA, Stanford, not this past year, but 2021 – and just watching the guy throw the way he was operating the offense, I'm like, man, this guy looks like he's going to be playing on Sundays. And um, I, you know, I admittedly don't pay too much a close, too much attention to um, some of these guys uh, during the recruiting process and stuff when they're coming out. I usually find out about them once they're in college. And I had learned he was a highly touted prospect that had gone on a uh, mission with his Mormon church for two years uh, and then had come back to Stanford, which is why um, he had kind of he was in the same class. I'm pretty sure as Fields and Lawrence, if I remember correctly. Mm. So he had kind of um, been over, maybe overlooked or kind of, you know, people weren't as familiar with his name because of that, but he has an NFL arm, um, really smart guy, really high character guy from everything that I've heard. So that's the one to me, um, if they are intent on making a QB move, that's the one I'd watch. Um, but I mean, the Niners have a good QB room right now. It's just really a matter of like what's Brock Purdy's elbow going to look like five months from now. Um, Cause I think the three guys they have now, it'd be really hard to add somebody from this draft at a good value where you're like, all right, well, this guy's good. We'll get, we'll take one of the three we already had. And you know, like Sam Darnold's a top five pick uh, Trey Lance is a top five pick and Brock Purdy is playing like, I don't say playing like top five pick, but playing like a guy who's a starter in the league. So um, if it's going to be anybody, I'd say it would be Tanner McKee, but I'm with you. I just don't I, – I don't see it. Maybe an undrafted guy that they bring in as a camp body that wows them, but I don't see it. Yeah, I, I think that's the most likely scenario because as of right now, with all the injuries at the quarterback position, like 
talk about Lance still rehabbing a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously Brock Purdy, we don't know if he'll be ready by week one, but all the quarterbacks that they have are more or less like on the same level as far as like, I don't know where they were drafted. Well, okay, not not pretty, but you know what I mean. Just like the, but it feels like that, right? Like, yeah, like they're all kind of on, you know, even even footing a bit. Of course, we know Brock Purdy is the the leader of the clubhouse, as as Lynch said. But you know, I I just don't feel like it makes sense to bring in another guy who can would be at that level. Like, how does that shake out? I feel like it make more sense to just bring in someone like a developmental quarterback and you're likely to get that as an undrafted free agent. Let's look at um, other prospects. So this is just like the, the end of the list. And what I think uh, is one positions that aren't huge needs for the 49ers running back linebacker, and then, you know, your kickers and, and your punters. 49ers do need a kicker, but they're only bringing one in, and that's Peyton Henry out of Washington. Um, I I think if they they are going to draft a kicker, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but the likeliness that it's Peyton Henry is probably you know pretty low, so not going to focus on him too much. But some of the guys that are on this list, I mean, I like the linebackers honestly, like uh, Henry. To- <sighs> I have like a, I like pause when I see like certain names and I'm trying not to butcher it. Henry To To you say it, Jordan. <laughs> I would have a hard time pronouncing. I don't but I Toto to, to, I, I wouldn't have I would I would be struggling to, to. Okay. Um yeah, I, I know him out out of Alabama. Um now, you know, again, I don't know I don't see the 49ers having linebacker as a priority, so I think he would probably be out of the 49ers range of what they'd be willing to use on a linebacker. He's probably slated for third, fourth round. Uh, but Austin Ajieki out of UNLV, um, probably someone who I, I think they've had interest in for quite some time. And he could be someone who could be a late day three pick or a priority free agent. So that's one to keep an eye on for me. I'd be pretty interested um in him yeah absolutely one guy who was really interesting to me was i watched kyle Harmon work out at san jose state's pro day he did everything he was doing coverage drills with the dbs he was working out doing the linebacker stuff on his own and then he was also doing the d-line stuff with fahoko too he was doing everything and he's six feet which you know in the in life isn't undersized but for nfl guys he definitely you know looked a little bit smaller by a few inches but um he moved really well. Um, I don't know if that means that it's enough that, you know, it can overcome maybe some of the concerns that are there for size, but you can't doubt the heart. Um, just the way the guy was moving out there, I was like, damn, like this guy could, you know, he, he's kind of doing a little bit of everything. I don't know if that means there's a role for him, but I was very intrigued by how quickly um, he was able to bend the corner when they had him doing D line stuff, the way he was able to backpedal and get out and coverage and space and stuff. So uh, I'm definitely interested to see how um, how he looks because um, he was the only linebacker, if I remember correctly, from their pro day that was working out. So I'll be interested to see what he looks like working out next to other linebackers and see um, how much that size really would be a concern because it's not a huge deal, but it definitely was something that was noticeable where it was like, all right, like where do, where do you project at the next level? Are you just going to be this kind of Rover hybrid player or can you be a full-time backer? Like 
Um, I, I definitely want to keep an eye on him because I think he, he, like I said, he moved really well. And it's, it's hard to read too much into stuff. I try not to when these guys are just running around in shorts and a t-shirt. But you do get a good sense of how these guys move in person. Um, and it can tell you a lot. I think it is a very valuable tool, which is why, you know, the 49ers do events like this. It's as much to meet with them as it is to see how they move and stuff. But Harmon is a name to to keep an eye on, I think, because I, I admittedly wasn't too familiar with him before going there. And it definitely stuck with me once I had left. Awesome. Yeah. So it se- seems like there's a couple of linebackers that could potentially be available for the 49ers, um, you know, if they want an undrafted free agent. Uh, which I think is probably like the likely um, uh, likely thing that they do um, given, you know, their linebackers, but again, they, they did lose Aziz. So who knows, maybe. That's hurt that so bad. <laughs> still sad. He, that was, and he was, he was a special player. Titans got a good one, man. I'm, I'm yeah, they did. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much the, the full list. It was around a little over 40 guys who again are eligible. It's not a guarantee. Like I said, that all those guys are going to be attending. I think we'll get a final like official list tomorrow. As soon as, you know, I'm sure some of the media members, you might get a list uh, once you arrive tomorrow, and then that'll be the list that we'll go off of. Uh, but just some of these names that we mentioned, I'm, if some of those guys attend, I'll, I'll be pretty uh, excited for. And of course, as I mentioned, Jordan's going to be at the local pro day uh, reporting for Niners Nation. Are you? Do you plan on like writing something up for that too, Jordan? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of going to play it by ear. Um, there's a couple guys I need to catch up on who will hopefully be there that I'm hoping to uh, continue some stuff I've been working on. I, uh, I've been trying to do my best to get some um, stuff out about these guys who are doing top 30 visits or who've had formal meetings and stuff. I have an article, shameless plug coming. I have an article that's up today on Niners Nation about uh, – Minnesota defensive back Jordan Howden. Uh, he has a top 30 visit scheduled with the 49ers. I know he had just met with the Packers the day before I spoke with him. He had just got back from Green Bay for a top 30 visit with them as well. Um, really, really bright guy. Um, great football player. Um, a ton of experience playing in a big-time conference in the Big Ten. Uh, really versatile. And I got some great insight into you know kind of who he is as a player who he is as a person, his passion for the game. And he also has some ties to the 49ers as well. Uh, his uncle won a ring with the 49ers uh, on the first Super Bowl, uh, 1981. Um, so there's all, there's definitely some uh, some family ties there as well. So I'm trying to do my best basically to get some of these guys um, now, as, as you've been doing too, Steph, and just kind of highlight them a little bit because uh, a lot of these guys aren't going to get that kind of recognition now because there's just 400 guys in this prospect pool it's hard to get to everybody but we're in kind of an interesting position because the top 100 prospects or so give or take are kind of out of the Niners range at this point so I think it gives us a a unique opportunity to kind of uh, get to know some of these players who are projected to be mid-round picks on a more personal level and um, hopefully we can continue doing that and give you know Niners fans and anybody reading or listening uh, a better idea of these guys and um just get to know them. And Hey, even if they don't end up on the Niners, you never know who they're going to, they might be on a different team. They might be on somewhere else in the division. Seahawks might draft them and you might, you know, have some good insight on a guy you're going to be seeing twice a year. So I think there's a ton of value and I've been keeping up with the ones you've been doing too. And I think there is uh, there's a lot of value in getting to know some of these guys who are day two and day three picks, because a lot of them end up being longtime players in the NFL. 
for sure. And it's hard not to root for some of those guys that you end up talking to, you know? Um, so, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. All you guys, uh, tuning in, make sure that you follow Jordan on Twitter. Uh, because as I mentioned, he's going to be, you know, talking about the local pro day. He always has great content for Niners nation. So at splash underscore cousin is where you can find him on Twitter. We'll uh, we'll be awaiting your your coverage at the local pro day tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. It looks like it's a beautiful day, but uh, you know, I'm nice. hoping it holds. Hoping it holds out. I got sunburnt like crazy at San Jose State's pro day. I'm not. I got. I I get cooked pretty easily. I was out there for like an hour and I got fried. So I will definitely. I learned my lesson. I went back and watched yeah, the sunscreen. tape. I'll be bringing. I'll be bringing sunscreen this time. <laughs> watch this tape uh all right man well thanks jordan thanks all you guys that tuned in make sure you like this video make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet but for now have a good rest of your tuesday evening people peace